You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is the Bright Wings Poetry bonus episode. Today's episode is a really special episode that I'm excited to share with everyone because we have with us the winner of the Bright Wings 2020 Poetry Contest, as well as we have my good friend, Ashley Blake, who's part of Makers and Mystics in the Breath in the Clay community. And I get the honor of introducing our grand prize winner, which is Kalisa Ray. And Kalisa is a journalist, a poet, an activist, and now a Durham, North Carolina native representing the home team here in North Carolina. She's a graduate of the Queens University of Charlotte MFA program. And her chapbook, Real Girls Have Real Problems, was published in 2012 by JCAR Press and Sable Books. And she has an upcoming collection called Ghost in a Black Girl's Throat is forthcoming from Red Hymn Press in 2021. And we are honored to have you here with us today, Kalisa. Thanks for being on Makers and Mystics. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So this year's contest had over 300 entries that Ashley and myself and then Joel McCaro down in Australia read all of these incredible poems. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was as hard for you to narrow it down. <laughs> Usually we get it down to like a top 20 and then a top 10 and then mm -hmm. we go from there. And, and I know for me, I had at least a top 10, maybe even a top 15 that became really hard to start distinguishing between. Yeah, it was really an honor to get to read everyone's work. And it was really exciting to read through all the pieces. So it didn't feel tedious in that sense, but it was definitely difficult to choose a winner when everyone, you know, there were so many good pieces that were submitted. Well, alongside of Kalisa Ray, our second prize winner is Nadine Ellsworth Moran. And some of you listening probably remember, she was actually our grand prize winner last year. And it was really interesting because Ashley and Joel both pointed out her poem. Yeah. And Ashley, you had no idea that she was last year's winner. Is that right? Right. I didn't put two and two together. And honestly, when I was reading the pieces, because I know so many people in the community, I was trying to not pay attention to whose piece was whose and just read the pieces first. Mm -hmm. And so when I read the piece, well, she submitted a, a couple pieces, but there was one piece that just stuck with me for like days. And that's the one I told you. And I was just, <laughs> I was so moved by it. And then it made me yeah. laugh because I was like, oh, right. I remember her style of writing. I remember her piece from last year and it was, you know, equally as good. Yes. And then our third prize winner is Erin Banks. And her poem is one called When Children Play Piano that I think we, we both really liked that one a lot. Mm -hmm. We would love to encourage everyone to go to the website and check out the winning pieces as well as see our list of runner-ups. Yeah, so you can read Kalisa's poem there uh, as well as Nadine's and Erin's. And then you can see our list of runner-ups that have links to their websites or their Instagram pages where you can connect with their works. Mm -hmm. You know, Kalisa, all three of us simultaneously chose you and knew that your poem was the one that was really rising above. So congratulations to you as the second annual winner of the Bright Wings Poetry Contest by Makers and Mystics. Thank you so much. <laughs> Kalisa, tell us a bit about your background in poetry and when did you start writing and, and when did you know that this was going to become 
a lifelong pursuit of yours? You know what? That's such an interesting question that people often ask me. And I'm like, well, since I was born, since I was a kid, I mean, I, my mom just called me the other day, which is funny. And she's like, babe, I found all of the stories that you wrote in those little like Ziploc Tupperware binders that we used to keep those little containers. We used to take your stories and put them in there and put them underneath your bed and you'd pull them back out and like keep writing. And she's like, I finally found them in the attic. And I was like, oh my gosh, please send that to me. So I started writing, you know, when I was seven, Mm. I used to write stories as a release from trauma, from Uh, growing up in Gary, Indiana, which I don't know how much you know about it besides the fact that Michael Jackson was born there, but uh, it wasn't a very (laughs) pleasant place to live. So I just would create imagination and story to escape. And poetry though, I didn't start writing poems per se until I hit high school. And then, you know, I had a kind of an interesting North Carolina journey from Gary or Maryville, Indiana to North Carolina. My dad found out about Wilmington, North Carolina on a trip. He used to work for um, the mayor of the Chamber of Commerce, and he was down in Wilmington just randomly on a trip. And I just say that my whole life is full of fate because Mm. had I not, had my dad not told me about UNC Wilmington, I would have never studied film and creative writing and I would have never written my first poem. And then there was a lot of racism at UNCW. And so I transferred to ANT where I met um, my mentor, who's the director over the creative writing department at NCANT University, and she's actually blind. And I stepped into the class um, as like a non-traditional student because I had transferred from UNCW. And that's kind of that that's exactly what the way out is about. So I picked up, packed up all my stuff. I moved to Greensboro on a whim. The first day I walked in, she said, spit a poem for me. We had like a creative writing spoken word class at NCANT. And I spit the poem and this blind woman said, you are gorgeous inside and out. And I want you to do this for the rest of your life. And mm. I said, what? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? First of all, you can't see me. How do you know? And she laughs and she's like, I can feel it. And she's like, you need to just do this for the rest of your life. (laughs) And I said, okay, okay, I'll try. And that really, like, to me, that was the deciding factor. Like this woman that did not know me. And she actually introduced me to my husband. Like all of it is, is fate. All of it is God. Because had I not like learned about UNCW and like moved away and like stuck my foot down, I was like, as a black woman, I will not put up with this UNCW. I'm moving away. Like everything was set in place. Everything, everything, everything was set in place. So I think, yeah, that's how I got my start. But I think I was always meant to be a poet and a writer. So beautiful. Yeah. I love that story so much. Everything, I think, even from all of your stories being underneath your bed, I think that what stuck out to me about your poetry is you have such a distinctive voice. And even though I didn't know your story or a lot about who you were, it felt like you were carrying that through your storytelling. Like I felt it on a much deeper, like heavier level, even from like the words you were choosing and and the content of what you had, but it felt like you just brought all of yourself to your work. I think that was really something that stuck out to me. Thank you so much. I'd be curious to know, because we have a lot of writers in our community and 
I'm sure there are a lot of writers listening to this episode, and many of the writers who submitted to the Bright Wings contest are listening to this today. What would you say to some of the emerging writers in this community and just in general to encourage them to persevere? That's one thing that's very important for us. Ashley and I were talking about that recently, just like, you know, we want to encourage everybody that submitted to this contest and who is finding the bravery to put their work out there in front of anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and just the bravery to put your work in front of someone for critique and feedback is already <laughs> victory enough, yeah. you know, but I'd be curious what some of your thoughts were and maybe even share a little of your own story of how you had to persevere to continue following sort of that even somewhat prophetic unction from this blind lady who just says, I want you to do this the rest of your life. She saw something in you with maybe eyes of the heart, mm-hmm. you know, how, yeah. how can we encourage the writers in our crew? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I would say is, oh my goodness, your writing is so necessary. I mean, mm-hmm. right now we have a call on our lives, all of us to speak about the heart of the matters and all of our lived experiences are so needed and necessary right now. And I think that that's what I would say to the people that are emerging, for the people trying to find a space um, for themselves and trying to carve out a way for themselves. Don't ever hide or shun your story because you feel like no one will care or what you have to say and what you've been through is not attractive enough or it's not entertaining enough because all of us are needed right now, uh, if not more than ever. So. I would say that. And I would also share, uh, it's so interesting how life works out because, you know, if I had listened to the professor that when I turned in my writing told me you could have never written this um, when I was 10 and then was told that throughout growing up in the Maryville area. So I, I grew up in Gary, but I went to school in the Maryville, like Hobart area for those of us listening that know about Indiana. And I was told that, and it's so weird because I was told the exact same thing when I got to UNCW. Um, The only difference is it was for a research paper that I hadn't properly um, cited. And it's funny now I'm a like writing center director where I like scold kids all day for like not properly citing their papers. But the thing that really impacted me was that words have so much power as it relates to giving someone permission to tell their story and then destroying someone and telling Mm -hmm. them that their story isn't needed. Oh my goodness. Just imagined if I had listened to my middle school teacher that told me there's no way I could have written that paper, which I did. It was all mine. They used to tell me that there's no way you could have written that. Um, and my mom used to have to come up to the school and they would change the grades on my papers to F's and they were really A's. And my mom, I will never forget this, came up countless of times and said, you will not do this to my daughter. Like we will not put up, we won't put up with this. It's prejudice. It's racist. It's not fair. You will not do this to her. You won't crush her spirit. She's gifted. Mm. And then imagine if I had listened to the professor at UNCW that told me there's no way you could write this. I wrote it. I didn't properly like follow the instructions, but I wrote it and I still had the talent. And if I had listened to her and let that crush me and I had said like, oh, I'm just not going to finish college. Like she failed me and I failed out of these classes. 
and I'm just not going to finish college. If I hadn't have said, you know what? Nope. She will not stop me. I will pick myself up. I will transfer. I will go somewhere else where my voice is needed. And so that's what I would say to everyone. Like don't, your rejection is so, so often (laughs) you will see so much rejection in your life, but don't let that crush your spirit or make you stop telling your story because your story is needed. If I could share anything, it, it would be that. Well, I am looking so forward to having you share your winning poem with us today. And you mentioned a little earlier some of what it was about, but I'd love to get you to recite that for us if you would. I can do that. This is called The Way Out. I drove miles from my southern beach town mid-semester. Packed my bags in secret, nothing but Ophelia, Delilah, and a Red Bull to keep me company. Pointed my car towards the brightest pin-pricked hole in the dark. Gripped the wheel, fearing the tide of hair straightening and code switching would pull me back. I soared down I-40, holding the entire night in my hands. Salty, side-eyed stares and ocean gossip still caked on my skin. Gave myself permission to frown, to crooked the crescent moon they cast out. The last time I ventured out alone, the sky split, cracked whole poles in half, yanked the trees from their root. But this time I ran with the wind on my side. Only a wild thing can comprehend a wild thing. Only something torn can say goodbye to the rot of solitude. This time, night is the way out. Only it knows what waits for me on the other side. Thank you. Beautiful. I'm going to give you the, the virtual hand clap. <laughs> <All right. the> virtual. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Oh, it's so good. And so now I'm reminded just hearing you put your voice behind the words just adds that other layer. I was I was talking to a poet earlier today and we were discussing how in poetry, it's not only the words and not only the combination of how the words work together, but it's also the way that it is spoken. And just hearing you bring that to life just adds such another dimension to it. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'd love to ask if you have one other poem that could be any of your choice. doesn't have to be any of the ones that you submitted to the contest, but if you have another one uh, that you'd like to share with us, uh, tell us the name of it and and a little about it. Yeah, I would love to. It's so weird. I was going to say it's, it's so strange reading your poetry because I think all of that pent up emotion that you put into those words on the page don't reflect when people are reading it. And so mm. that's why I was so honored that the way out was chosen because like Ashley said, it's so weird that she felt all of that pent up frustration with the pain that I felt living in Wilmington, North Carolina. And so I would love to read another piece. I hope by reading it, the feeling behind this piece comes to life. I think I'm going to stay in a similar vein and read mm-hmm. the title piece for my new book that's coming out because it's uh, you know, we were talking about how we're all living in North Carolina right now. And that's what Ghost in a Black Girl's Throat is all about, about moving from Indiana to the South and how much of a culture shock it was and how it really knocked me on my feet about the history of 1898, the race massacre that happened in the city that I had been living in for forever and no one told me about it. Right. And so I'd like to read that piece if I could. Please. So this is Ghost in a Black Girl's Throat. 
The South will birth a new kind of haunting in your black girlness, your black womanness. Your body becomes a poached confection, honeyed enigma pledging to be allegiant. The muddied silk robe waving in their amber ray waves of bigotry, your skin a rhetorical question, a blood-stained equation no one wants to answer. You will be the umber, tawny, terracotta, tongue splattered on their American flag, beautiful brown spangled anthem that we are. You will be the bended knee in the boot of their American dream, and they will stitch your mouth the color of patriarchy. Call it black girl magic when you rip the seams. Southern Belle is just another way to say stayed in her place on the right side of the pedestal. Your scum kiss skin will get caught in a crosshair of questions like, where are you from? No, where are you really from and you will be asked where are you from more than you are asked how are you doing like this name this tongue this hair ain't a tapestry of things they made you forget the continent they forced to the back of your throat because that's what they'll come for first the throat they know that be your superpower your furnace of rebellion so they silence you before the coal burns resurrecting monuments of ghosts on your street to keep you forever looking up building a liquor store on every corner so you don't notice the curated segregation call it redistricting muzzle the men with gallows for tongues and call it obedience school synthesize our ghettos graffiti them in gold and call it urban redevelopment they will have the leash always be taught always gripping around a word you never said they will make anything other than your actual name a sweet exaggeration of girls sit speak come when spoken to your body will be an apparition hologram of its former self too much magic in one room turn sorcery witchcraft and we be witches reassembling the chandelier of our reflection we will spin a web of shade and make it a place to rest under broad oak that it is they will suck the mucus from our jubilation our gatherings now a cancer clap back with shaking hands because that's all we got this voice this throat this righteous indignation they will start with the muzzle always a taut muzzle to melt the metallic of our wheels always a bit in the mouth of a horse that was too stubborn to ever be spooked by their ghost thank you mm, wow can i just say you had me from the title <laughs> like I was so intrigued by the title and at the same time it felt so familiar in my soul mm. like the imagery of that was like oh like mm -hmm. you know when you can see yeah. yourself in something but yeah. then the piece itself it was like oh okay okay girl <laughs> that is <laughs> that is so everything right it's beautiful and it and it hits you in places that make you feel uncomfortable and it reminds you of your sadness but but shows you so much thank you so much for sharing that mm -hmm. of yes. course yeah my my words aren't enough to give to that that was the piece <laughs> itself was enough but it was just yes i'm so glad you shared that Thank you. Mm -hmm. Especially with the history of Wilmington. And I didn't know that um, you had spent time there, but that's such a big story that is often not told. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. No problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want that to mm -hmm. be known. I want people to know about the history because they take that out of the history books. They don't put that in the history books for the kids in high school and middle school. 
Um, thank God there's a book um, that's being taught to the middle schoolers now because of my friend created this documentary, Wilmington on Fire, but had Chris Everett, who actually lives here now with me um, in Durham, but had he not created the documentary, Wilmington on Fire, people would not know because right. people just hide it under the rug. So I, I'm hoping that with this poem and others, people will learn about the history of Wilmington in North Carolina and the history of racism and oppression. So yeah, for sure, mm. for sure. Yes. Kalisa, thank you so much for being a part of the Bright Wings Poetry Contest. And thank you so much for being on Makers and Mystics. And congratulations to you as the grand prize winner of the Bright Wings Poetry Contest 2020. Thank y'all so much for what you're doing. And I'm just elated to be a part. Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and leave us a kind review on iTunes. A special thanks goes out to our patrons. Your generosity enables us to continue curating conversations and lifting up the voice of makers and mystics across the globe. We'll see you again next week with the opening episode of Season 8.